0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the final two podcasts. Today, we have a very special guest, a very patriotic episode, I must say. I think Ollie can attest to it as well. Today, we have special guest Ben Freund, who is right now training to be a part of the Navy. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Bam, 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 bam. First of all, first of all, you got (laughs) to introduce yourself if you don't mind. Ben, where do you come from? Please let the viewers know what type of guests we have on today.
2: Uh, So my name is Ben Freund. I'm from Long Island Um, from Old Westbury. It's kind of like middle of the middle of Nassau County. Um, I'm 22. I went to University of Michigan. My official major was biomolecular science, but that really means like mostly organic chemistry classes and and all that. So I, at the University of Michigan, I also did a minor in sociology of health and medicine, because I planned on going to medical school afterwards. But in light of all this COVID uh, things going on, my MCAT date was canceled, and I would have had to take two gap years before going to medical school. That's something I wasn't really interested in. Um, I really wanted to jump right into it. And also after, you know, four years of undergrad at University of Michigan, I was pretty burnt out. I really wasn't interested in taking classes even like more after that. And, you know, going to the Navy is always something I've wanted to do, um, especially make a career out of it. So I think, you know, the silver lining of this whole COVID pandemic is that I, I found something that I really, truly love that I want to do and that I'm, you know, actually excited about my path going forward. So your test got suspended because of COVID or you couldn't take it
1: because of it. Like what what was, what were you saying there? Uh, Yeah,
2: so uh, for the application cycle, um, all applications for medical schools have to be submitted by June. And my MCAT date was set to be in May. So I was gonna apply contingent on my score. And uh, you know, when everything shut down, all the testing centers, Pearson testing centers in New York, they closed all their testing centers until further notice, canceled all the MCAT dates. And they said we're likely to open up late July, August, and I would have had to take two gap years instead of one. I was planning on working at the uh, Veterans Affairs Hospital um, at the Nassau University Medical Center, um, where I got my EMT certification, and um, I wouldn't didn't really want to do that for two years working uh, with, you know, no pay, probably interning um, and you know, I worked at the VA in Michigan. Um, I heard a lot of great stories from veterans who go there for health services. And like I said, it's always something that I've wanted to do. So when I, you know, got the news that all the MCAT dates were canceled, I said, you know, let's pivot and let's do something that, you know, that I'm really truly passionate about and that uh, something that, you know, I can look forward to and, you know, set goals and, you know, achieve them.
1: Ben, what made you go to Michigan? Like at a, being from Long Island, brother, we have a lot of like options around like Hofstra, the Stony Brooks. So what made you go to Michigan?
2: Um, You know, it, it was a little bit of a combination of uh, baseball and then the falling through of baseball for me. Because like, you know, we played together um, and yes, I we was did. getting a couple letters and I was getting looks at uh, or I was getting looks from a couple of NESCAC schools. And I actually got um, a letter from Haverford College in uh, South South Jersey, or uh, maybe it's in uh, Pennsylvania. But um, and they said, you know, if I applied their early decision, I would get accepted and have a spot on their team. And um, they're a good D three school. Uh, definitely, um, baseball would have been an integral part of my life and my social life there, and I was completely fine with that. But then. Um, during my fall ball season of my senior year, I, you know, I popped my elbow and I, um, you know, partially tore my UCL and it was only a partial tear. So I didn't need Tommy John. I did an experimental surgery, uh, experimental procedure called PRP, which is platelet rich plasma. Bartola Colon did it. Um, a couple other players did it. Um, basically what they do is they take blood. And they cycle it down to isolate the plasma and the platelets and the platelets are what you know have growth factors and they yeah. help you heal and then mm-hmm. you you know mm-hmm. inject it into a problem site and it regrows the it regrows the tendon it re- regrows the muscle so i did that all throughout the winter yeah, and i course. came back um my senior spring season um i was through i, I you know i put like four or five more miles per hour on my on my toss <laughs> and you know like as a catcher I was probably popping like a two flat the second and it was like it, it's you know it sucked for me because I didn't want to go to a juco um yeah. like college ball so I committed to Michigan um and I kind of set on going out for their varsity team which is you know a top five team in the nation obviously um that like wasn't going to work out but their club team at Michigan is pretty much a, a Division three baseball team. We get a lot of kids um, from the varsity team who are on academic probation or couldn't keep up with the, with the practice schedule. So I played club ball.
1: How is um, club ball? Can you explain oh, to the viewers how club ball works?
2: Demanding. More demanding than you'd think. Really? We travel all over the country. Wow. And, you know, it came to that point where I had a stats test on Thursday and on Tuesday we were like traveling to Indiana to play one game. And I was like, I'm just not coming on this road trip because I have a stats test. And they were like, okay, then don't come to practice on Monday.
1: So do they pay for your hoteling and stuff or how does club baseball work?
2: Yeah. I mean, we have, um, it's not an official university sport. It's a club sport. So there's no coaches. Uh, it's, you know, captains led. Um, and most of the expenses come out of your own pocket. Um, we okay. do get busing. Um, it, it obviously it's like uh with travel ball, you know, you pay a price and you get jerseys and you get, you know, uh, hotels when you go on road trips and tournaments and stuff like that. So um, it was just the combination of the time commitment and the traveling and, you know, the fact that I was there to get good grades and go to medical school and not to yeah. play club baseball.
0: Yeah. I mean, Ben, how like you said before, you, it was a conflicting schedule. I mean, they would even tell you like you just said, they wouldn't they wouldn't expect you to come to practice if you missed it. So how were you able to manage, you know, a difficult school in the nursing program that is at Michigan with this club baseball?
2: That's the, just the thing I wasn't I wasn't able to manage it and that's why I had to separate from the team. Cuz in the end I you know, looked at the priorities. And what was the most important to me and what was most important to me was the academics. Um, because my ultimate goal was to go to medical school and be a medical professional. And, you know, cycling back to the military aspect of it, I always knew that I wanted to do some form of military medicine. I was going to apply to USU, which is the uh, Uniformed Services University. And that's a military medical school. And they fund your medical school and then you owe them years um, after that. So with my EMT certification, I'm still planning on, you know, doing medical rescue. Um, that's my ultimate goal is to get placed into a medical rescue team as the officer and be in charge of medical rescue and, you know, doing doing the medical side of that. But um, in the end, you know, I was a freshman thinking about what was most important to me and, you know, getting a 95 on my stats test instead of an 80. I think that, that was... But-
0: and I think that's such a crucial message that you send. That because is. I, I feel like that applies to any athlete, no matter anyone. what sport you play or what major you're in. Because people, you know, like I've, I've witnessed it myself with certain athletes, you know, just going for the bare minimum. You know, I, I'll settle for a C or a B. Yeah. You, you go above and beyond, you know what I mean? Especially in your program in nursing, like where you have to excel in order to get those higher, um, you know, placement jobs. I mean, you hit it on the nail I, uh, and you hit it on the head like people have to, you know, be very they have to be very, you know, focused on what they're doing besides the sport. So especially if you're not doing well in the sport yeah. and you're just miserable. I mean, you have to still fall back on a plan B no matter what, regardless one, of
1: what it is. One thing I want to add to that, too, Sal, is very true what you're saying. And it's like that's the hardest part of being Hispanic you know, when you're going to college, it's like, way, you know, he's telling everybody he's going to university. You know what I mean? Ah, He's mm-hmm. going to university, but no mm-hmm. one tells me it's get good grades. like get higher than 80, but I'm going to college thinking, especially my freshman, sophomore year, I'm over here going, yeah, I got a C plus a B minus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like my parents are celebrating it because we don't know any better. That's the problem with breaking True. through that college uh, boundary, being the first to break through that boundary. Cause now when my sister is going to, elementary school I'm over here going if you don't get a hundred you don't get robux you know what I mean so she's over here trying to do her best to get a hundred because if she doesn't get a hundred she won't get rewarded
2: but exactly.
1: if she comes home with a 90 that's not a bad thing you know what I mean that's not a bad thing Absolutely. but and it's like one of those things you hit it on the head right there Ben because it's so important to get good grades like exactly. it's like there's no excuse not to so
0: yeah and the other thing is it's that like I just said before you know people going for the bare minimum. It, it's all about trying putting in the most effort that you possibly can in studying retaining information going out and asking questions to the professor rather than just sitting back you know playing your sport and failing because not only does it look bad in your on you know on your GPA but it makes the team bad because you know a lot of programs they look they specifically look at the team's GPA at the end of the season each yeah. time and it's very important super important you know
2: I think a good a big example of that um, just you know staying with the Michigan is that Duncan Robinson, Duncan Robinson was not, wasn't, I mean, what a player he's absolutely, you know, locked down from, from three, but Mm -hmm. at the end of his Michigan career, he was shopping jobs. Like he was texting people for media marketing positions. And he was, he was looking for, you know, a professional outlet because he didn't see himself getting drafted. And obviously, you know, he got a D league or a G league contract and, you know, got his shot right, and is you know is absolutely wet, and now he and made an appearance in the NBA Finals. He's a star. He's a star. And literally and
0: came from the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> look Seriously,
2: literally. Looked at his LinkedIn. He he was very prepared not to be a professional basketball player. And when you you know come to that crossroads, he was like, "All right, now I have to kickstart my professional career because this is not the avenue that I thought it was going to be." but it turned out that it was. You know, 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 it was
0: another crazy example, and I'm glad you brought up Duncan Robinson. Another basketball player, he was a college basketball player, Luke May, played for North Carolina. He hit a buzzer beater. This was when Darren Fox was uh, on Kentucky. Hit the buzzer beater, knocked him out, and next day, literally the next morning, I remember he was trending on Twitter, Instagram. He was at his finance class. I couldn't believe it. It was 7 a.m. It was a 7 a.m. course. And it just shows you that no matter, like, how hard you're playing in in the sport, how much you're practicing, you have to have a little bit of focus on business because after sports, we look yeah. at, we always, um, you know, bring up like players like LeBron James, Alex Rodriguez, you know, the late great Kobe Bryant, they took on roles in business afterwards, no matter, yes. it, it doesn't have to be business, but yes. an occupation afterwards, because after your sport, how, where else are you going to get your income from besides exactly. and et cetera. So.
2: You don't want to be Kurt Schillings. You want to be LeBron James, who's got (laughs) such a diverse portfolio.
1: Mm -hmm. So important. So important to be in the business world, especially. I mean, I just feel like a lot of schools, I feel like they don't, especially when you're an athlete, they don't really let you know that type of information. And I feel like it makes it very hard because kids just go there to play a sport. They don't go there to go to school. You know what I mean? You hear that all the time and that really affects a lot of people. So, I mean, What made you get into medicine, Ben? What was the number one thing that got you into medicine? Hmm. Because medicine is a hard thing, brother.
2: Yeah, I know. I think I've always been a very scientifically minded person. Like I said, I studied um, biomolecular science, which is pretty much just upper level organic chemistry. Um, I taught organic chemistry at the University of Michigan for three years. Um, I have always been the person to ask questions. Yeah, I was, a, I was a study group facilitator, which means wow. I, I basically taught um, underclassmen organic chemistry one, organic chemistry so two. So did, you fail, did you fail kids? Did you fail kids? No, but sometimes like kids would ask me to like, I, I used to tell my kids like the only stupid question is the question you didn't try and figure out for yourself uh, like first before asking it. Because on an exam, like I'm not going to be here to say, oh yeah, like what does this molecule do and what do these, re- how does it interact with these react these reactants you know what I mean so I was I was definitely like harsher on my kids than I think a lot of other my kids um, as a student TA's on my were, kids but...
1: as on my kids like this is nutty this is crazy <laughs> to me oh my god you going. sorry I'm like fanning over but
2: here. you know what I mean like I'm, I'm I'm I don't sugarcoat things like I'll tell you like this is a question that they're going to ask you and here's how they're going to ask it to you like learn the ins, the outs, learn everything you need to know. So when you get to a test, you can look at a question and think like, and actually know what's going on. And that doesn't happen. That's Yeah, but it's not even memorizing. It's more learning the concept and then using the memorization to apply that -hmm. information.
1: Which is very true. Listen, I'm probably the dumbest one out of you two. And that's not really something, (laughs) that's not saying like a bad thing because you guys are both brilliant. But for me, I started realizing what really got me to the next level to that like A minus <laughs> was like practicing and putting into real life situations because memorizing for me wasn't working. I'm like, yo, like this thing doesn't, doesn't work, work for, for me, me, me either. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, This isn't, this isn't what's going to work for me. This is adding it to a real life situation. If it's math, if it's finance, if it's like social studies, whatever it is, like adding it to real life situations is really what's going to get you to the next level when you take a test. You know what I mean? So
2: I feel like Bro,
1: so wait, so were you like a tutor then to a group of guys, to a group of people, or
2: how did? This no, story? I pretty much, I pretty much taught a a class of uh like twelve to fifteen for, for uh, three years. But did you get paid for that? Yeah, I got paid. Oh, you did get like, paid. Okay. Minimum wage. I got paid eleven dollars an hour. Sheesh.
1: So the test, were you the one grading it? No. Oh
2: okay. oh, okay. So okay. But I did grade a lot of their classwork. But it wasn't like grading for a grade. It was grading them to be like. Circling, you know, think about you know yes. Yes. lithium aluminum <laughs> hydride and its role as a reduction agent. Like <laughs> <laughs>
1: can we backtrack real quick? You said so many big words in this podcast that sometimes get me like confused when you get what into was, medicine.
0: What was that story you were telling me, Ali, about that? Uh, oh. so as you know, like uh, Oliver, um, he has that the heart condition that he's been going through. But uh, you told me that, uh, Ali, you went over his house. Tell, tell so, me that story.
1: <laughs> so we and Ben are friends for years. So when Ben went to college, like, we kind of lost connection a little bit. But we have always, like, somewhat, some way we would connect. So we started connecting, especially over the summer. We became really good. He's like, hey, come over one day. So I, I go over his house. And his family's like, really uh, being into medicine. And I, he'll, he'll tell you guys about, about that, too. So I walk in, and we're talking, whatever. And I see his father. His father's a very nice man. And uh, Ben goes, Hey, you know, Oliver has a heart condition, this and the third. And he's like, Oh, really? What's going on? I explained to him what was going on. And him and Ben swear to you are going, Yeah. Oh, you know what that is? The heart, particular 1.53 that goes to the heart um, is that probably what's <laughs> disconnecting with this. And I'm over here going, Yeah, exactly what's going on. And the guy's like, <laughs> And Ben goes, No, I think it's the bitubia 59326. That runs through the <laughs> back of the heart. <laughs> yep.
2: I You're don't know what that about is. Which electrical nodes in your heart were not firing on check? It was <laughs> the, the sinoatrial node or the atrioventricular node. And that's the difference between, um, you know, what the blood fuel, uh, your heart filling with blood and your heart expelling all the blood out of your heart. Um, and it's the different, he- the different hemispheres of the heart are separated by, um, by basically you know the atrioventricular septum which separates the electrical currents so
1: can we zoom into sales (laughs) face
2: that
0: was a lot lot of information
2: (laughs) we were just we were just spitballing you know yeah uh, spitballing i'm just over here just sounded like like, a lecture right
0: there just sat here that sounded amazing
2: like that sounded like a lot of terminology that i need to know (laughs) Like we used to have family dinners. Like I remember one time we were having a family dinner and, you know, my little brother, he's like a genius. And we were talking about um, the possibility of, you know, fissionable material and its use as a renewable, uh, you know, we were basically talking about like nuclear thermodynamics and my friend, you know, (laughs) there was like a break in the conversation and my friend uh, looks over at us and he goes, do you guys ever just eat? <laughs> and <laughs> and I was like no this is a conversation at our house bro. Yeah,
1: like bro you are so that's why I love hanging out with Ben cuz you know what I, I learned so much from him, and he learned shit from me. So it's like a win-win like win for Ali. You know what I'm saying? I'm over here learning with the ventricular.
2: I, I learned how to speak Dominican Spanish from you, bro.
1: <laughs> I learned with the testicular 59326 is. But you know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> this is really good stuff here. So wait, can you please tell the, the, the viewers here why, like, your parents are, are in the medical field. How did that impact you? to get into the medical field, or did it not really at all?
2: I mean, no, it definitely did. My Both my parents are doctors. Uh, my mother is an OBGYN, and my father's a surgeon. Um, and at, when I was a little kid, I was extremely hyperactive. I got hurt all the time. Um, I was, like, maybe, like, nine nine months old the first time I got stitches, um, and it didn't stop after oh, that. Oh, my God. And I was always in that situation where I was in the doctor's office, and I was always in a situation where I was, you know – subject to the medical field and being big into sports and being big into sports medicine. I always wanted to be an orthopedist. And my ultimate goal um, was to, you know, work at HSS, which is a hospital for special surgery in New York city and, um, you know, work with athletes and do Tommy John surgery or ACL tears, or, you know, some of the more soft tissue stuff to orthopedics, as opposed to like broken bones and, and all that. So, I, you know, that that would have been my ultimate goal. I, you know, I think it's something that a lot of people want to do. It's a very competitive field nowadays. Um, and, you know, on one hand, I would love to do, you know, emergency medicine and trauma surgery. Um, but that's not a sustainable lifestyle. You can't be a trauma surgeon for your entire life, because that's, you know, you get a call at 230 in the morning and says a guy, you know, was shot in the face, like, we need you in surgery for the next 16 hours. Like, that's not a sustainable lifestyle my father was a trauma surgeon he was the chief of trauma at Bellevue hospital in the 1990s um and you know it's 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 tough it's it's a tough life to be in um so I think my ultimate goal is to do something more normal but you want
1: you want to go into the to the wait hold up before I even get into I keep forgetting to ask you this question so Sal I have this story so we're playing um baseball uh Sal's there's actually a video on this Ben's the catcher It's like a relay throw, like a kid. It's a bomb. I'm the, I'm the shortstop. I think I'm the cutoff man. I throw it home to Ben.
2: I have that video. I'll
1: send it to you. It's literally, I put it literally in the video. Like we'll edit it in there. Oh, I try to at least. And so it's a shot bomb. So I go out, there's a cutoff man. Boom. Get it. Throw a dime piece to home. Absolute strike to home. Strike. Strike. Strike to home. Strike to home. Right. Boom. So Ben's waiting for the guy tags him out. Ben's thumb, just literally like, I don't know if it broke in half or dislocated. Yeah, or... no, 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 it
2: was at a 90 degree angle. It was pointed yes. this way.
1: Broken half, everybody's going crazy. Oh
2: my God, like go to the hospital, whatever. Pick was going to vomit. Pick was yes. going to vomit.
1: And his mom's like, don't worry about it. What are you guys worried about? And everybody's like, what do you mean we're worried about? This <laughs> thumb is out of his." Mom's like,
2: no. she walks over there, looks at it, goes,
1: all right, come on, let's go.
2: And like, <laughs> no, she she hopped onto the field and yep. she says, okay, we, got, we have two situations here situation number one is it's dislocated and when you dislocate something and you relocate it it pops clean back into the joint so she says if it pops clean back in it's dislocated and you're you're probably good to play if it's broken and i set the bone it's gonna slot it's gonna like grind it's gonna slide back into place and then you can't play because your thumb is hanging off your hand and so she's on the field and like the way I was handling a situation, like I was just like, all right, like get this over with. Like I got, we got a game to play. It's the sixth inning. Like I'm, the the number one thing that was in my mind was that I was leading off the next inning. So I was like, I'm trying to get my at bat. Like I'm, ju- I'm trying to. Hit. No, so, like
0: your, your thumb's not just hanging. Like <laughs>
2: I'm trying to bat. I was batting. like, tape, I was like, tape that bitch, and I will literally, I will hit with the thumb hanging off. Like I I am a catcher. Like I like to hit. Like I was batting third in the order, or whatever. I was like, I was trying to get my licks in and she set the bone and it grinded back into place and it was more or less straight, but um, she was like, yeah, it's broken. Sorry, bro. You're not hitting next inning. Yeah.
1: Normal situation at all. Uh, I was, I was pretty chill about it. I was like, didn't scream. Oh, he's walking in there like, yo, like, are you seeing this? And I'm like,
2: <laughs> I guess I'm I was like, yo I'm guys, like it. my thumb's broken. I was like,
1: oh, my god crazy
2: oh (laughs) my god but i got two pins um i got i went into surgery the next day i got two pins in my thumb um i did six weeks of rehab and i came back and um in like i'm lucky that happened early in the season because i came back like probably late july and i played with you guys for like the rest of the summer i think we had that um you missed a bit though i missed a bit i missed that 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 week-long tournament in uh that was like the big recruiting tournament. That was the one that I was yeah. trying to, I was trying to get at. Man, wait, so who did the surgery? Was it your family did the surgery or No, it- no, we don't have, uh, we don't have any orthopedias. It's actually uh, my good friend, Dr. Stein, Dr. Peter Stein. He, uh, he's a hand surgeon. I've, I've gone to him for like everything. Jeez. He's a good guy.
1: So wait, talk about friends. How big is the networking for you being that you come from a family of medicine? Is it easy to get to know these people? Is it easy to get recommendation? Is it easy to get a job in the future because of all these connections
2: that you have? Um, I would say that there are connections, but that being said, I am not the kind of person to call in favors. Like I sort of took the approach of going into medicine as like, this is my personal journey. I don't want this to Mm -hmm. be on the coattails of the success of my parents. Yeah. So a lot of what I did was not as a result of the friends and family discount. Um, But that being said, when you have, you know, a broken bone, um, you're not searching for a doctor, your family knows somebody who does that. So they say, Oh, go to Dr. Stein. You know, I did my residency with him. He's a great doctor. So I go to Dr. Stein Mm. and Dr. Stein takes care of me. So you know, the friends, you know, the friends and family connections, they, they work in some ways, but I, I took a personal, yeah, you know, you know, part of my journey and part of my goals were to make it on my own, um, and to make my own path for myself.
1: My question is, Ben, how are you, how, like you say so simple and like so humbly, but a lot of people don't look at it like that. You know what I mean? A lot of people look at it as like, yeah, like I come from this. I don't really need to work as hard. I don't need to do this. How, where did you get this grind from that? I, I don't, congratulations to my parents. I love them, but I'm gonna make my own path. I want to create my own destiny. I don't want to, I don't want to use them for like anything. I want to create my own success. Where did that mindset come from? Because I'm telling you, a lot of people don't look at it like that. Not, you can agree with me. A lot of people like the little handouts. 100%. Right, yeah. My son got an 80. Ah, he can get through. He could he be a, a doctor with me. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, especially, especially like in my area, like on the North Shore of Long Island, you get a lot of kids who just fall complacent into the, you know, the the rounds of, you know, my dad's in finance, like I'm going to get a job at JP Morgan, whatever. Yes, yes. Um, but I think uh, a lot of it has to do with the way I was raised. I was raised not to uh, act in that way. I was raised that, you know, hard work is, is the most important thing, no matter what. And that, um whatever it is that you choose to do uh you give it a hundred percent and you know you don't take shit from anybody and you you know put your nose down and the grindstone and you just you know put the work in and uh with a little bit of luck you'll be successful like that's I think a lot of it was how I was raised and a lot of it is just the way that I am and
1: yeah your upbringing is amazing brother because a lot of people don't think like that like I, I do have friends that Have the handouts. I've played with kids that do have the handout. And it's like, man, like you are so different from that because here you are still trying to chase these goals and these dreams. And that's why I consider you such a good friend because I learned so much from you because of that. It's like you're you're not okay, you're you're blessed to be at the position you at, but you're gonna use that to excel even higher and use that almost like to catapult you to a new step that has nothing to do with your family, has nothing to do with the past success. You want to create your own stepping stool. So it's amazing.
2: And I think that. that's a big reason is why I'm going military. Um, you know, not, not just to be in the military. Like there's a difference between the enlisted and the officer side. Um, the officer side, you do it as a career. You do it because you really want to and maybe not because you have to. Like people go into the officer's program because it's something that they feel extremely passionate about um, because they have an overwhelming sense of duty and, you know, commitment to this country. Um, and because they are the kind of people who want to go out there and challenge themselves and be leaders on a global scale and be, um, you know, something that was unexpected of them before. And I think that, that, you know, in turn is another reason, you know, something just about me intrinsically, that is something I've always wanted to do. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's been a, you know, it's been in my mind forever, you know, like I've always mentioned going into the military and not only that, but, being an officer and being, you know, in charge of groups of people, you know, working towards a common goal of, you know, securing liberty and freedom and democracy and, um, you know, around the world.
0: Mm. So you bring that up too. And again, you are training to be part of the Navy. So was there a certain, you know, event, book, or a person that truly inspired you? To join this you know this cause i mean what inspired you like you said like you grew up you know idolizing it but was there something that like struck your mind like i want to be a part of that
2: like i said it's always something i've wanted to do um i feel like if you're going to go the officer side you have to have some you know deep un- like burning desire to to be an officer um, but one event that definitely you know, definitely solidified it in my mind was going to visit the Intrepid Museum um, in New York City. And the Intrepid Museum is pretty much a retired aircraft carrier with all these cool planes. I've heard about it. Have... It's, it's honestly sick. We like, gotta go. We should go. It's, it's massive. Like it's a floating building. And the Intrepid is a fraction of the size of the aircraft carriers of today. And the aircraft carriers today, they have, you know, 5,000 personnel oh. working on them. They are enormous. And they're the crown jewel of the U.S. military and the U.S. military or the U.S. Navy is the most powerful and ubiquitous force on earth. Like the U.S. Navy can provide air support to any battlefield in the world. They can provide surface to air defense, surface to air attack. They, um, you know, their primary sur- uh Purpose right now in a time of peace is to protect international shipping routes and um, pretty much to provide you know air support and air defense to a lot of other nations across the world. And I think that going to the Intrepid and seeing how big it is and seeing you know all the technological advancements that we've as people have been able to make, I stuck in my mind. I was like, wow, I have to drive this. Like I have to be. I have to work on this thing in the future. I mean, that's,
0: that's incredible that like you, you had that vision and, you know, it became that long-term goal for you. Like, I mean, it became a dream and now it's like that, that dream is becoming a reality as like, you're starting now you're, you're in your pre-basic training, as you mentioned uh, prior to this meeting. I mean, so you're, you're striving to be, you know, a future candidate officer front. So talk to me, what's this, how's this training been like? Have you, have you began and how, where's the process been going?
2: So I started um, at the beginning of quarantine. Um, obviously, I didn't have a job and there wasn't much to do. So I did a lot of working out. Um, I got physically right, pretty much undid all of the uh, studying until 2 a.m. and partying that I you know, got into in college. Um, and I got physically in shape. And then I got a job um, at a, a local boutique butcher shop. Uh, great job. That I, I get like, Snapchats every day. Every day I get a it's, Snapchat it's from awesome. Bed. I love it. Center cuts Roslyn, guys. Go. <laughs> um, and while I was working there, I was, you know, I was working like 10, 12 hour days, six days a week. And it was like tough. I was, I worked there for two and a half months and like from there, my physicality, it kind of went down. Um, so once I got officially accepted into, uh, officer candidate school, um, to be a surface, uh, warfare officer. Um, I got my date and I said, okay, I've got a nine week fitness journey. Let's track our fitness. Let's put miles in, let's set a goal. My goal, by the time I leave, is to do a 25 mile week, which is five miles a day, five days a week. Um, so far I've been able to get up to about a 12 mile week, which is like, you know, three mile, four mile runs, three to four days a week. Um, at, at first it was a little bit tough because, um, I don't like running on the treadmill. I I feel like I'm really not going anywhere. So So, I like to run on the street. I like to run on the street. And when you run on the street, it's a lot of high impact. So I was getting shin splints and I had to wait for those shin splints to heal. But now, like whenever I run, I really don't feel it as much because the scar tissue is built up a little bit and I've gained a little bit more of that muscle strength in my, in my shins and my calves. So it's a lot more. It's a lot more body weight stuff. It's a lot more cardio. Um, it's a lot of high intensity interval training. It's a lot of CrossFit. Mm, um, love it. Like I, I honestly, at the beginning of quarantine, I was doing a lot more powerlifting. I was just telling Ollie this. Like I was doing a lot more. Uh, you know, you know, five for five at two twenty five on the bench. Um, but now I'm doing like sets. You know, five sets of thirty reps at one. 135 five sets of uh 30 reps at 155 because if i have to do 200 push-ups a day in basic training then you know lifting you know pushing 225 for five reps is not it's not the helpful kind of muscle that i need i need you know i need lean muscle i need fast muscle i don't need big bulky slow muscle so
1: wow so what is your view on uh on on Hmm, what's, what's What I'm looking for. Those Jack guys, those juice heads. Like, what is your view on that? Like, is that healthy since you're in the medical field? Is that something that people want to really dive into? Or is that something
2: that could get really dangerous? I mean, to each their own. I'm not going to say that someone who uh, wants to be the world, you know, join the world's strongest man competition. I, I'm not going to say that that's a bad idea. Um, I will say that if you want to get, you know, super big, super fast and you're planning on juicing like that's probably the worst thing you could ever do yeah. because steroids is horrible for your body and it's bad for your heart like you get like really bad heart conditions from that um but also that being said like I have a I have a good friend who's a big physique guy um he eats you know he's all vegan he eats 100% natural he eats 100% vegan 100% local um he works out he does a lot of cardio he does a lot of yoga and I think, you know, if you balance working out with diet, and you balance um, just a healthy lifestyle, getting sleep, stretching, doing yoga, and all that, um, yeah, it's just better for your overall wellness. Like, it's better for your mental, it's better for your physical health.
1: Important is sleep. No, I,
0: I absolutely agree with that, especially okay. like during the pandemic, where you know couldn't even work out anywhere. Everywhere was closed. So I wasn't the type that was like, I got to build my own gym at home. I didn't have the money at the time. And on top of it, I don't know. I just wasn't motivated to like really my way to do that. So rather than focusing on what I couldn't do, I focused on what I can do. And that was changing my eating style. So I told Ali at the beginning of the pandemic, and I'm still uh, maintaining it now. Like your, would you say your dad was the, the, who's going vegan at the time? Somebody went vegan.
1: You're me. Oh me? Uh, I think it was a friend. A lot, a lot of my friends are going vegan.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So I was saying like, you know, like I, I kind of went into like the beyond meat aspect. You know, e- eating a lot more greens. But um, yeah, I, I and sometimes I'll still maintain like you know like one day or a month or two days a month. Like I'll have like you know chicken or whatever like you know keep my sanity because you can't just eat beyond. How do you feel about that by the way? Like beyond meat, like a lot of people are saying it's like not a fan. I do
2: not like not the meat. I
1: invested in. I'd I worked at a in butcher
2: it. shop and we as human beings like are omnivores by you know definition. We have molars and we have incisors and we have canines to eat both meat and vegetables. I think that if you're gonna go all vegan, you need to supplement. Um, you need to supplement your diet with protein but not only protein you also need to supplement your diet with essential vitamins like you know iron like you get you know we get a lot of uh, our iron from red meat and i'm a big red meat guy like i could eat steak every single night of the i week. fucking
1: love steak i love it love oh, i'm sorry steak. for that f-bomb oh my god sorry for that <laughs> I'm, not I'm not gonna steak. lie though i'm not gonna lie
0: switching to beyond you know like eating majority of meals or whatever beyond meat. you know uh you know beyond meat products garden etc like, it wasn't like my body was like, like, you know, like when you're like off of something that like your body can't retain, like recess, like you can't like, you know, adjust to it anymore. It's like, I I haven't had steak in a while. I'm not going to say that I don't like steak, but it, it didn't feel like it's almost like alcoholics when they stop drinking. It's like they go through that cycle where it's like their body mm-hmm. can't like, you know, adjust function. So, but I ask you about the beyond me just because one, I mean, it, it doesn't it's not, I don't think it's terrible for you. I'm not going to say it's perfectly good for you. Like if I'm just constantly eating beyond me, I don't think that's healthy because one, you're just, you're putting in a lot of those, like whatever makes up beyond me. Again, it's not, you know, it's not meat. It's plant, plant-based material, you know, oils, et cetera. But I ask you that because, you know, people that do go vegan, I, I, I'll agree with you. Like I was, you know, short on some vitamins. So I had to take, I had to start taking like the, you know, the gummies and all that to, you know, add that to that cycle that I was eating. But I will say I lost a lot of weight on it. Like if you're looking, I'm serious. Like I watched this documentary on Netflix. Um, it was called what the health. I mean, the, the people that they showed on that show on that um, on that documentary, you know, people with diabetes, health problems, you know, you know, people with like the pills that they have to take throughout each each day of the week. People stop that cycle immediately when they kind of went in towards that vegan uh lifestyle. I'm not saying completely go vegan. And for me, like I, I won't say I'm completely vegan. I'll say, like, like I said, like, you know, a few days of the month, I'll, I'll Now be cheated. I'll cheat. I'll I'll cheated. I have to, you know what I mean? Like I'm telling Ollie, like like, so I you I mean? Like you if you're just eating the beyond meat and all the that, that fiber, it goes right through you. So like as you're working out, it's like I'm like so low on energy. So sometimes I'll have to, you know, add in some vitamins, etc. But I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't think it's terrible if you decide
2: I mean, it's that it's definitely not uh, terrible. I think like you said, a lot of people do find, um, that with vegan diets, they feel, uh, you know, healthier and they lose weight. But a lot of the times, like, especially for men, a lot of the protein supplements that you would eat if you were vegan, um, are, uh, like soy based proteins. A lot of big reason why I don't, uh, I don't consume protein powder is because whey protein is horrible for your body. I agree. Is it really? I, I'm taking whey protein, no, protein no. is That's horrible for your body. Yes. Pea protein is not well digested by your body. Damn. And soy protein as a male is just not good for you because soy, it, um, for obvious reasons has, you know, minute amounts of estrogen. And if what your overall goal is to build, you know, male muscle, then you don't want to be dosing yourself. However, small the, the dose with estrogen. So I think, you know, a lot of it is just balancing your diet and not trying to like supplement, like the guys who bulk up and they're like, you know, 320 pounds of just straight muscle, like mm-hmm. for them, whey protein is fine because their goal is to just build beef on their body. You know what I mean? Like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but I think if you, um, are trying to go, I mean, obviously I'm not a nutritionist. Um, I'm just a guy who tries to live a healthy lifestyle. Absolutely. Um, I think that if you're really trying to, you know, go vegan, you have to, you have to be mindful of your vitamins and you have to be mindful of your fiber and your iron and your protein and where your protein is coming from and what kind of protein it is.
1: Man, I like how, am, how important is sleep? Like it's how, the most important. Why?
2: You charge your phone every night, don't you? Hmm. Mm. <laughs> Elaborate,
1: please. Why how is you, sleep do so important? How you bring your
2: phone to work if you don't charge it?
1: Mm, my God, what an analogy! So, how many hours of sleep should a normal person have? Our each, us.
2: How many? How many uh, hours? I think of sleep? Uh, I think that largely a lot depends on the person. Like, if you're the kind of person who can operate on three hours of sleep, then like, all, by all means, like do whatever you got to do. Um, but at the same time, if you're the kind of person who sleeps like 12 hours a day, like you need to probably figure, figure something out and change, change something else about your life. So you can cut that down. I, I usually go to sleep around 1am and I wake up at around eight. So I'm like, I'm like a good exactly seven hour.
0: Time. That's exactly my time.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like I'm a good seven hours. Um, also, I feel like if you um, are sleeping more than you should be, you're probably wasting time in the day when you could be doing something else. Like I always found that when I wake up at 8 a.m., like I could do a ton of things and look at the clock and be like, oh shit, it's 12. Like I have a a whole day to do things. Whereas you wake up at 1145 and you're like, now I, you know, I could have woken up at eight and got in, you know, a four mile run, quick lift, could have made myself eggs, could have made a couple calls, scheduled a meeting, gone on a podcast. Wow.
0: (laughs) No, it's true, especially in your daily routines. Like people have to have, you know, set times, remind themselves all the time. Because, like you said, like you're wasting time of the day if you're just going to oversleep. And on top of it, like I feel like too, like you should have a set amount of time to sleep. Unless, of course, you're studying for an exam, of course, day prior. We're not condoning that, but we're just saying like any other average human being that does that, they're going to lose sleep doing that but it's rather best to, you know, have that set time, like seven to eight hours. Usually it's eight hours, they say, but seven hours is fine. I mean, like for you, I don't know about you guys. I'm, I can't, I can't drink coffee, bro. Like that just, like, yeah,
1: so that I was going to be my next one. Yep.
0: Dude, that just, and you know why we bring these questions up, we're going to connect to it later on through this conversation is, you know, how this is going to apply to you now, as you adjust to a new routine, being a part of the Navy, God willingly. So Now, going back to that question to you guys, like, do you guys, like, can you guys function in the day without coffee? I mean, for me, I I feel like if I work out early in the morning, I have that energy to continue on with classes and everything.
1: How do you guys function? Well, personally, personally, before Ben asked, because, you know, I am kind of a medicine guy as well. um, I would say that uh, I've been drinking lately chai tea, you know, to kind of get myself going, because, like, I'm not a caffeine guy. I don't drink coffee at all. But I did need something. Like Poppy needed something, you know what I mean. Like, sorry for saying that, but like, you know, that's what people call me. Sometimes. Poppy
2: needed like, to ki- pick me
1: up. You know, I needed a pick me up because, like, it was like, especially with the studying, especially with a lot of things going on, I needed kind of a little boost. So I started drinking chai tea from Starbucks Ice 4 uh, thirty five. I think it's it's called a so Grande. Um
2: four thirty five for tea. Hey, for <laughs> tea, for tea, big bro. Boy.
1: Hey, listen, Grande. Don't judge me. Thank you. And it gets me going, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I drink it before the pod. you know what I mean? Like, it gets me going, it gets me focused. And I personally like it now. I think that's what I kind of needed, and it's helped me a lot. What do you think, bud?
2: I'm a big coffee guy. I, I, need, I, need, I need caffeine, like, as soon as I wake up. I got into a big routine in college where I had, you know, early morning class I at 8 a.m., 8.30 class. So I would wake up, um, you know, I had that big jug of a Starbucks cold brew. Myself a cup of cold. How much brew. is that? How much is cold brew? That's expensive. Like, you know how that's much expensive. Is, it's, like, it's like fourteen bucks for a gallon. Damn, <laughs> a gallon.
1: You spent fourteen dollars at Starbucks.
2: Oh. Uh, I mean, I it usually lasts me about five days. So whatever fourteen divided by five is about you know two point seven five. So I got paid two seventy five for a full cup of cold brew. Keep going. <laughs> I'm just saying,
1: like, you know, to a 4.25 for tea. Bro, honestly, whatever it took for me to get to, like, get going, because I didn't drink coffee. And then I started realizing in college, my junior year, when I started taking school serious, and I started putting time into, like, studying and working out and balancing everything out, I needed something to wake me up, and I feel like tea really did that for me. So, I mean, if I might try the new thing that you're doing. It might That might help me out, too. I've never tried it. I've never really tried coffee, so.
2: I don't know. Cold brew is pretty like cold brew's pretty strong stuff, especially with the heart condition. I don't know. If,
1: <laughs> yeah, no.
0: I don't just...
2: know if taking a taking nitro cold brew as soon as you wake up is a good <laughs> idea. I have no heart condition. See right? Ali at like nine thirty in the morning. I'm
0: like, <laughs> saying that's what I'm saying. Anytime I have coffee, like a venti. What do I get? Like I'll, sometimes I'll do that pumpkin spice latte, or I'll do you got a chai tea,
1: latte, bro. Yeah. Chai tea latte. I might
0: I might do tea. I'm not gonna lie. Herbal tea would be freaking great but um like i said like i don't know like my stomach just just one it makes me like again like energetic too energetic you know what i mean when you're sitting still and you're just moving like i, I can't function like
1: that
2: i, I mean yeah, again, you get they, used they to it you get used to it
1: yeah so you like do, right and you but your body needs like a drug like your body starts like asking for it am i wrong
2: now i mean if i miss a coffee in the morning like at three o'clock i'll start to get like a little bit of a headache oh oh the caffeine headache <laughs> and, it, and it's the worst part about it is that like on days where i intermittent fast like i usually try and intermittent fast like one day a week um like that's when i really feel it because i won't have coffee in the morning um i'll just drink water like the entire day and then i'll break the fast at like four o'clock and i'll have i'll break the fast at four and i'll have an early dinner and then i'll have a late dinner i like at like seven, eight o'clock, mm-hmm. because like I said, I usually go to sleep at one. So it's not like um, I'm eating right before I go to sleep because you shouldn't eat right before you go to sleep. But you on days where I shouldn't,
0: you shouldn't. Why, why not with bread?
2: Um, because when you go to sleep, your organs shut down. And um, if you eat right before you go to sleep, you're you're pretty much um, just taking in calories and you're not processing them. So they're just sitting there.
1: Mm. I, just, I
0: had three Hawaiian rolls last night.
1: Yo, me too with ham. <laughs> <laughs> you I had Hawaiian like are money bro. I had like seven <laughs> of them with ham and cheese. I swear hey, to you. Yo, the
0: Hawaiian rolls are so. Oh freaky. my, I oh, literally my had god, Hawaiian, roll. Hawaiian
1: sweet rolls.
2: Oh my god, I had Hawaiian I had sweet, rolls.
1: I had
0: three or four. Bro,
2: Hawaiian <laughs> rolls with pulled pork.
1: <laughs> Sounds yes, like good uh, you're getting yes. too crazy on me there ham and cheese for me and i'm perfectly fine i had like 7 of them yesterday right before <laughs> bed right before bed and i just wanna sleep like a baby
0: so uh, we learned yeah, called not, not to go to, to sleep too many you passed out.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> wait so what does that do is that bad for your stomach? yeah No, it's just just not good for your overall health like it's just those sit calories there. are going yeah it's just sitting there those calories are going straight to visceral fat
1: Wow. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to lose weight.
0: Wow. It makes a lot of sense, especially like if people like that start gaining it in that gut area too. Like rather throughout everywhere. It's, that's just the food sitting there. That's crazy. You know, what's, it's interesting that we talk, we bring up, you know, the sleeping, you know, what keeps you functioning throughout the day, eating styles, meals, et cetera. Now you're going to, you know, like I said, are you prepared to adjust to that new routine as you enter the field in, na- in the Navy? Cause as you know, like is you, when you go out there, when you, I don't know if you're the, are you going to be going out of the country if you join? Like, what did they tell you the location would be after the training? Well, yeah.
2: So, um, just to sort of summarize what the training is like, uh, the for surface warfare officer, the officer candidate school is located in Newport, Rhode Island. So I have, I have three months of pretty much, um, hardcore physical training. Um, and three months of academics is pretty much like one semester, um, of basic training. That's officer candidate school, OCS. That's pretty much basic training for officers that's in Newport. And then based on my rank in the class, um, I get selected for jobs and I can preference my location. So based on what job I get, um, that'll determine what kind of secondary and tertiary and finishing, you know, training I'll get and training in total is going to be about a year. So beyond the three months of basic training, OCS, I have probably another six to nine months of, you know, specialized training where I get, you know, put into a job and that becomes extremely focused. And again, a very focused education. Um, so, you know, that's, that's sort of how uh, the training goes. The, the secondary training that usually happens stateside. Um, and then, you know, based on what job I get and how, uh, you know, what my rank in my class is, um i can preference a uh, location to be stationed um i think i'm gonna try and be stationed somewhere on the west coast or in the pacific like san diego me? hawaii japan like those are my three got going like, gonna leave my- me yeah in a <laughs> second in a second
1: i at least have somewhere to visit because if you go to japan oh you better get hawaii oh my god i'll come to hawaii you have to no, learn first. Like like <laughs> like, Yo, it'll be like, it'd be like the, fir- the first Dominican Hawaii. It'll be like the man on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I can't.
2: Yo, how important is ranking though? The the rankings are what very make important. Decisions, very right? important because places like San Diego, which are the most, the you know the high, the most highly sought after location to be, because you are stateside, um, you know you're in a great location. San Diego's weather is unbeaten. Um, you know, there's a big base there. There's a lot of there's a lot to do. There's a you know rich social life in San Diego. Um, wow. I like you know, when I was there. talking to my recruiter, my um, my lieutenant commander, he's in charge of officer recruiting. He was telling me that in San Diego, um, while you're on the base, you could join you know a rec softball league. You could join a flag football league. You can you can do all these things that you wouldn't be able to do if you were stationed like in Japan because <laughs> Japan just doesn't have or may not have the same opportunity. third world country,
1: yeah.
2: Japan is a third world country? Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean third world country. Uh, uh, another country, sorry. Yeah, I mean, Japan's <laughs> the most, de- Japan is the most developed. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, another country. I'm sorry. I, I used yeah, the wrong
1: vocabulary. Okay, I'm sorry. I was
2: uh, thinking, I was thinking, what's the, I was thinking what's the country I was thinking about?
1: What's the country I was thinking about? That we were talking about on FaceTime the other day? That's a third world country that you could be stationed in?
2: uh saudi arabia
1: saudi arabia okay that's why saudi arabia
2: is not really a third world country either it's just that they like saudi arabia is definitely one of those places that i would not want to be placed because you're in the middle of the desert your primary job is to hunt pirates which is like cool Hunt pirates what do you mean pirates like pirates in the persian gulf like people like somali pirates that's scary like, that's what I said. <laughs> One of the primary jobs of the U.S. Navy right now is protecting international shipping routes because you see a ship that says U.S. Navy on it and you're a pirate in a skiff trying to, you know, steal a, a ship with, you know, a billion dollars in goods on it. And you see a giant warship coming straight at you with the words of U.S. Navy on it. Like you're not messing with that boat.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Whoa that's some crazy stuff so wait so wait so wait, so wait so you'll be gone so that means like after 3 years then you'll be gone in station for how many years
2: so like i said training is 1 year 1 year um, and then then i get a placement and my placement is pretty much a deployment and what the deployment two, is a 2 year 2 year deployment 2 years so i'll be on a base somewhere for 2 years 2 years and then i get a break after those, after the first 3 years cuz that's 1 year training 2 years deployment after those first 3 years are done i have a little bit of a break um, I have leave. And then, um, I then I have remember. another three years of deployment after that. So it's a six year total. Um, but be six ha- years that I'm willing to spend because this is something I want to do. This is, yeah. like, this is something that I've always wanted to do, especially if you're an officer. The reason why it's a little bit longer is because a, pe- a lot of these people, including myself, do this as a career. They do this as a stepping stone into a higher career in politics, in medicine. My goal is to, after my initial service commitment, after, after the first six years, to go to medical school, get my MD, and then re-enlist um, in the Navy, gain a couple more ranks, and be, you know, like a flight surgeon, or work on, you know, the bases in Japan, in, uh, in San Diego, in Hawaii, and, you know, maybe if I'm lucky enough, work on an aircraft carrier, which is something I've always wanted to do, um, and, you know, use my medicine as an officer, you know, to benefit not only the U.S. Navy, but also, uh, you know, personnel across the world.
1: I would I would 100% say that you have your head on right, because the way you are thinking, you're thinking so much ahead. Everything like you're not sitting here going like, OK, like I'll wait two years to take my exam and call it a day. Like you're over here trying new things out and you're over here trying to you're going to explore the world. Like this career is going to make you explore the whole world. And I feel like that's so smart of you because in seven years, you'll be back. And then now you could say, I did everything I possibly could to enjoy my, because I, I there's a saying that I really love and it's like the tw- your twenties is a decade that defines you. So I feel like you are really making the best out of your twenties. Like Sal, can you think where we'll be in seven years? Like we don't even know. We, we don't know because yeah, yeah. look, at, look at COVID. A lot of people thought they would know what they would be in, a year from now, but COVID kind of ruined that. You know but what I'm I think saying?
0: The thing is, though, and it really taught me a lot, especially this year, as much as what's going on in society, what's going on right now in current events, the people that stick out the most right now are the people that are ambitious and have the goals. Yes. Still set, no matter what ha- is currently going on, even if we're locked down, you know, we, we started this podcast. We didn't have to, but this is for us to network and meet new people across the world. Um, another thing is, especially going uh, for your career, I mean, you know, still applying for jobs, even through zoom, et cetera, you know, to be able to interview them online. I mean, like you said, although the tests did get canceled in not only uh, for what was it, the MCAT, not only for MCATs, it happened for CPA exams, uh, certain exams across, you know, the whole spectrum of occupations that people are trying to, you know, get those high earning, high level jobs. So, but it doesn't stop, you know, it can't stop, won't stop, like Diddy says, for a reason, because, you know, you got to continue to push yourself because we're going we're to get out of this. We're not going to be closed minded and say, you know, where we're headed is just continuing to go down. I know there's w- some point in the future that we're going to get this vaccine and we're going to get out of this mess and it's going to take a slow time. But nevertheless, you want to have a plan as you exit out of this, you no matter what. So. Yeah. You shouldn't be, you know, like I said, like giving up. Absolutely not. And you said it yourself. The year, the 20s is the years that define you. For kids that are getting out of college, you want to have a set plan when you're in college. So it's not difficult after you graduate, even if you go for your master's. You know what I mean?
1: So, And it's like another thing is also it's like make the best out of this. Because if you can make the best out of a situation like this, you're not telling me that after everything goes back to normal, you're not going to double that?
2: Because exactly. if you can, you can make be the
1: best out of this right now, my freshmen that are listening to this, the freshmen that went to college, I am so sorry you had to go through this. But this is probably the worst scenario you'll probably see yourself within the next four years. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If everything goes the right way, if nothing flips over and gets worse. But I don't think how, what's worse that could really happen, get into a war, a bit. Like that's really the worst that could really happen. But besides that, it's like, You know, it's like, I feel like it could only get better from here. so if you made the best out of this, like what Ben's doing, what Sal and I did, create a podcast, taking extra classes, not even having a summer, studying the whole time. It's just, it's going to get us better, you know?
0: Exactly. And we're not, we're not here to be selfish. We're not here to say that, you know, we're just successful. We're successful because of what we did. We're all we're trying to do is trying to create a message for you, the viewers to kind of take from what we're talking about. You know, I'm not going to lie. I I know there's families that are heavily being affected by this pandemic. People that are still, you know, they're starving for that another paycheck and all that. They can't even get a job of what's currently going on. And again, I'm I'm with you. I'm not going to say that this isn't this isn't terrible what's going on. But you still got to dig deep and, you know, yep. make the most of what you have. Go out and apply for new things, go out for different opportunities. And for Ben, you know, he talked about you know, although the MCATs got pushed, it's still, it's still, he's still fighting and pushing to to still train in the Navy even during this pre basic training because he he's not gonna stop. And during that time, he's still. You're you, are you currently still uh, studying for the MCATs as well? Since you no, received? I'm not. I, I
2: spent I spent about four months studying for the MCAT because mm-hmm. I graduated a semester early, which is understandable. Yes. Uh-huh. So, but I think what you guys are saying are you know is exactly right. Like you can be a a victim of circumstance in in this life, but you can never have a victim mentality. You can, you know, you can-
1: Ooh, man, that's deep. That's
2: a good one, man. (laughs) But that's what I'm saying. Like you, you know, you can be put in a shitty situation from birth. You can find yourself in a shitty situation as a result of things that have happened to you in this life. But um, obviously I had the privilege to, you know, pivot and say, all right, like, let's look at, you know, Let's look at something I've always wanted to do. Let's, you know, let's pursue the highest goal that I can think of right now in the highest goal I can think of, is be an officer in the U S Navy. Like you have to learn to say, instead of poor me, you say, what can I do now? Like, what, what can I do? Like, what can I do? Yes. You know, at this current moment to take me to the next level, yes. what can I do right now to better the situation that I'm currently in? And if the answer is nothing, then I think you need to reevaluate. Um, and like I said, pivot again, like, but it takes a lot of self-reflection. It's really difficult to do because a lot of it, you know, you have to, you know, think about what your strengths are and think about uh, what opportunities are given to you. However, yes. you know, if they're, they're few or if they're many, you need, to, you need to evaluate that and turn fewer opportunities into more opportunities just, just by the way that you act and just by the way you carry yourself. And just by the way that you approach life in general.
1: Yes. Yes. Amen. Oh Amen. my God. Amen. That, that's amazing. That's literally, that's literally what life is all about, man. Like I was born in Dominican Republic. My dad was barely, like he had to stop giving me a certain milk because it was too expensive. So I was getting milk borrowed from the neighbor. And here I am in the United States of America getting a second opportunity and making the best out of this opportunity. So I'm not going to sit here and victimize myself. I did this. No, I got another opportunity. COVID. We created a podcast. We did this. We went out there and did it. I have a heart condition. And I had another heart attack, like two, like two months, like uh, about like five weeks ago. That doesn't even matter, but I'm alive now. What, what am I supposed to do? Cry about it? No, I'm here talking to Ben, talking to out. creating this opportunity that I hope are 10, 30, hundred viewers that listen to us, 200,000 views. I don't care. Get something out of it. You know what I mean? So that's exactly, exactly. You hit it on the head, bro. I, I like that quote. I'm going to write that quote down. That was, that was deep, man. That was deep. Ben, before we even I like, got you. I got you. Ben, before we let you go, I have one question especially. You talked about your upbringing, but was there any books that you read, anything you did to get you ahead of the game to be so smart and intellectual like myself?
2: <laughs> um,
1: I think, <laughs> I think younger. are you younger laughing, I Sal? Was... Sal, are you laughing?
2: <laughs> <laughs> because like because i was like i didn't read books <laughs> i was like i don't know how to read
1: <laughs> yeah sound don't laugh it was supposed to be like a serious <laughs> moment right <like> there. <that.
2: laughs> um no i mean like when i was younger it's not like i read a lot of military books um i read a lot of like you know action adventure books um but i did read um i think one book that i've read recently was can't hurt me by david goggins um Dave Goggins is an absolute fucking madman. Sorry about the F-bomb again, but that dude is an absolute psychopath of just personal achievement and pushing yourself beyond your perceived limits and being one of those people who come, who comes from, you know, a horrible situation. He came from an abusive father. Um, he had no money as a kid. They moved around all the time. You know, he faced racism as a kid in every single corner growing up in Indiana. Um, and he was overweight. He was extremely depressed. You know, he had a lot of self-loathing. Um, he said himself, like, I need to change my current situation. And he said, the one way I can do this is to shoot for one of the, you know, one of the highest, most physically demanding uh, courses in the U.S. military, which is, you know, BUDS, which is basic underwater um, demolitions and SEAL training. Jesus. Um, and he went, dropped from, uh, 300 pounds to 175 pounds about three in three months dropped 125 pounds um joined buds in his third in his third cycle of buds he went through three hell weeks he graduated um and he became an ultra marathon runner and um you know he he runs for the wounded warrior project he does a lot of charity he does a lot of uh, motivational speaking now but just his messages of self-accountability of personal accountability of know, being in charge of your own destiny and not only that, but pushing beyond your own perceived limits. Like when I was started my cardio training, I could barely run a mile. And I said to myself, you know, he has a part in his book where, you know, he's running this ultra marathon and he's losing steam at like mile 75 or mile 60. And he's got another 40 miles to go. He's got another two marathons, two full marathons to go. And he runs 101 miles in 24 hours in his first ultra marathon with no training. And he said, That was a moment to me where I told where I proved to myself that I can do something beyond my perceived limits, beyond what I think I can even do. That's that's when I proved to myself that I'm a real, I'm a real, you know, I'm a like I'm a I'm a savage. Like he mm, like he really yes, you are really my just, boy. He's just You know, the whole book is about personal accountability. It's about, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where you've been. You have the opportunity to push yourself both physically and mentally and academically and professionally to be, you know, a Navy SEAL and to be not only just, you know, a physical specimen, but also like up here, you need to have a calloused mind. You need to not be able to let little trivial bumps in the road, you know, put you off your path to success because if you if you really come at it like a steamroller if you really if you you know when i when i was when i was starting my cardio if you get shin splints you run through the shin splints like i was literally running with my knees taped up to the ankle so that i could get my four miles in um you know and not i was i was icing my legs for two hours a day like he he you know he he counts in the book um, running to the point where he was in renal failure and he was pissing blood and he was peeling his toenails off and every single bones. And like he broke every bone in his foot running and continued to race another 50 miles. He had shin splints to the point where he couldn't move his knees. Like just being able to push yourself. Like, obviously I'm not saying like, go out and get, get, get your hurt. Like that's just stupid, but just push yourself beyond like if, you know, if you're at break yourself you know, three, if, if break yourself and, and push yourself beyond the point where you think you, it can stop just to prove to yourself that you can, that where, where your brain starts telling you that I can't do anymore is only 60% of what you're actually capable yes. of. You have another 40% in the tank. That's your body's natural way of saying like that 40% is like do or die reserve. Like those, yes. that 40% is for, you know, the absolute worst possible scenario but obviously, you know, you're not in a do or die scenario. So you still have 40% in the tank to continue on and to continue pushing yourself. So I think that in my personal fitness journey, going into the military and prepping myself for OCS, which is a bit more physically demanding in terms of push-ups, sit-ups, know, running um, than it would be for enlisted basic training. I think that book has really helped me in focusing my mindset as being, you know, an absolute savage when it comes to trying to push myself and to try and push myself beyond my perceived limits and you know when you when your heart is racing and you feel like you're gonna vomit like that's when you know that you're actually doing the work that you should be because i was doing crossfit last week and halfway through the workout i re- sprinted out of the room went to the bathroom vomited splashed some water on my face gargled a little over the water went back and finished the workout
1: yeah I, that's why I love CrossFit so much for anyone. that's thinking about doing CrossFit or like, if you want to get mentally pushed, physically pushed, if you want to test yourself to the limits, 100% go do it because that's going to push for you to your limits. And You really, there's times in the workouts where I'm like, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And I was me, like, I can't do this. Yes. I can't do this. And me myself would say, Yo, you could do this, my boy. You were built for this. You know what I mean? You were built for this. Yes, sir. Yes, you sir. were built for this. And it, when you're done with the workout, everybody high fives themselves and you feel accomplished. You're like, I tackled on the day today, but I beat the day. The day didn't yes. beat me. So, oh, my It's God. win the day.
2: Win the day. Like, win life can't day. hurt you. If you're headstrong and you're strong in here and you, and you get your physicality right, like, number one thing he says in the book is calloused mind. Is letting you know the little bumps in the road in life not letting them affect you and just powering through them and knowing that in the end, uh, you're the own agent of your destiny and you create your own path. And absolutely, you know, life is what you make it, and especially for someone like David Goggins, who had such a troubling background, now he, you know, is a motivational speaker around the world, he does uh ultra marathons and and ultra triathlons for you know you know millions of dollars in charity and he you know he's just doing you know amazing things for the world and you know he could have sat in a situation where he was an exterminator at 300 pounds you know pounding you know a chocolate shake at three in the morning like he could have just lived in that complacent lifestyle and been miserable and fallen into complacency um but he didn't and he you know picked himself up and he said i'm gonna I'm gonna do what I gotta do. The
1: last thing I would say is, Sal and I always say this to each other, to our, to anyone that listens to us, whatever. It's like, no matter what, like the fact that we're thinking about this now at 20 years old, there is no way we we're not gonna be successful. There is no way. How long is it gonna take? Oh, Who knows? But we're gonna work to the, to get that. We will be successful. We will. Like, it's just that's just a matter of that's just the number one thing because if you realize we're thinking having these conversations now, kids who are working towards that now at 20 years old, we're taking the right steps forward. The decade that defines us, our 20s, we are effing it up. We're killing it. We're 20 years old and we're
2: killing it. Like, are you serious? Are you serious? We're still young, yes, 22. Yes. I'm 22 I still got 8 years in my 20s to define who I am. My service commitment's going to be 6 years. So I'm going to come out 28 years old like I you still you, you got time. You got time. life expectancy is going up. 20s, Absolutely. you know.
0: And that's the mentality our viewers should definitely have. Anybody like you know, taking the time to watch this, have that mentality. Have that mentality that you will strive for greatness no matter what scenario you're put into. Global pandemic, illness, injury pain etc fight through it and you will be successful no matter what as long as you keep on being focused on your goals and not letting that you know go away and you know this was an incredible guest that we had in Ben and you're listening you're, you're listening to God willingly a future Navy officer and man. I say that proudly amen a Navy amen.
1: officer but a successful ass man like this man is absolutely be successful. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Intellectual people like me and Ben, you know, you know, we are we are <laughs> 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 uh, now going there, huh? <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> this, is a,
0: this is an awesome episode. Amazing. Amazing. Amazing Thank episode. you guys That's for cool.
2: having me. I, I've been asking you, Ali no. to get me on the show forever. I love what <laughs> you guys do. Um, I love the message you spread. Um, you know, Ali's been my boy for a while, and uh, hey, you know, I love to support the cause. I love to you know, help help my boy mm-hmm. out and and spread some spread some some good vibes in the world and just keep energy high. Absolutely, and let people know that no matter what they come from, like exactly what Sal said, stay focused, stay up. Um, ask yourself, what can I do and how do I do it? And yep. And be the agent of your own destiny. Mm-hmm. Create your luck. Oh Create God. your luck. He's
0: just dropping gems, ladies.
2: Gems,
0: and- ladies and gentlemen what an episode this has been the final two podcasts. peace peace
1: peace, peace.